last week we discussed, this is 89a, Tractate Shabbat. The incredible story of how Moshe talked with the angels and told them why, and told them the reasons why the Torah was not relevant to them, but was relevant to us. He gave them a few examples. First is, there's a commandment of honor your father and mother. You don't have fathers and mothers. Uh, you don't have jealousy. You don't have theft. You don't have all of the commandments that the Torah advises us and gives us guidance is not relevant to you. And therefore, Moshe tells them, we need, we, mortal man, we need the Torah. You don't need the Torah, and that's why we're going to receive it. The angels heard that, and the angels admitted. They said, you're right, and therefore the Jewish people received the Torah at Mount Sinai. Now the Talmud begins sharing several different teachings from Rabbi Shua ben Levi. The Amr Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Rabbi Shua ben Levi said, When Moses descended from before the Holy One, blessed is he, after receiving the Torah, well, essentially receiving the tablets, we call it all the Torah. Ba Satan Satan came and said before God, Ribonu Shalom, Master of the Universe, Torah Hechonhi, where is the Torah? Amar Lo, God said to him, to the, to Satan, Nasati Hala Aretz, I gave it to the earth. Halach Etzel Aretz, Satan went to the earth, Amar Lo, and he said, he asked it, Torah Hechonhi, where is the Torah? Amar Lo, the earth responded back to Satan, Elohim, Haven Darka, God understood its path and he knows its place. Satan went to the sea and it told him, it's not with me. Satan went to the depths of the abyss and it said, it's not with me. The depths said, it is not with me. And the sea said, it is not with me. And Satan went to destruction and death to Gehenim and asked it, Avadon v'maves amru ba'oznenu shamanu shima. Destruction and death said, with our ears we heard its report. Chazar v'amru l'fnei HaKadosh Baruch Satan returned and said back, returned to Hashem and said, Ribono Shalola, master of the universe. I searched the entire earth for the Torah, but I did not find it. Amar lo, Hashem said to him, Leich etzel ben Amram, go to ben Amram, who's the son of Amram, Moshe. Holach etzel Moshe, Satan went to Moshe. Amar lo, Torah, shenasan lecha kodesh baruchu, hechonhi. He asked Moshe, the Torah that the Holy One, blessed is he, gave you, where is it? Where is that Torah? Amr lo Moshe replied to him, Now, who am I that the Holy One should give me the Torah? Hashem said to Moshe, 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 are you a comedian? Are you a fibber? Of course I gave the Torah to you. Amr lo Fanav, Rebona Shalom, Master of the Universe, Moshe said, you have this coveted and treasured Torah that you delighted in every day. 
Should I flatter myself that you gave the Torah to me? Hashem said to Moshe, Since you diminished your role in receiving the Torah and you were so humble, it will be called by your name. Shenemar Zichru Toras Moshe Avdi. Remember the Torah of Moses, my servant. Moshe didn't take the credit of the Torah being his, and because he was so humble, because he was so righteous in his ways, not taking credit for something which he didn't feel was his right to take. Yeah, it's my Torah. God gave it to me. Shem, it's your holy document. It's your manuscript. It's your manufacturer's guide. I can't take credit for it like it's mine. Hashem says, now, because you minimized yourself, I'm going to elevate you to the point where it's going to be called the five books of Moses. It's Zichru Torah's Moshe. It's Moshe's Torah. Now, it's interesting that last week, if you remember, we mentioned about the sun and the moon, how they were fighting And God says, oh, you're fighting about this? I'm going to make you smaller. Over here, I think the reason why it's juxtaposed to that story is because we're showing and demonstrating the proper way to conduct ourselves, not to take credit for things, not to think it's all about me. Look at me. Let me shine. Let me glow to the world. Let me shine to the world. No, 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 no. Moshe's, it's not me. Who am I? I can't take credit for your incredible Torah, Hashem your Torah. It's your toy, so to speak, that you've been playing with. This is yours, not mine. There's a reward for that that Moshe received. The commentary here says, when God told Satan, I have given it to the earth, he intimated that the Torah endures only in a humble environment. The earth is low. Only with humility can you attain the Torah, which is why, very interestingly, the holiday of Shavuot, where the Jewish people receive the Torah, always falls out coinciding with the portion of Bamidbar. Bamidbar is the desert. To show and to teach that in order to attain the Torah, you need to be humble. You can't acquire Torah being arrogant. Satan traveled to the heaven, from the heaven down to earth, but did not find the Torah. He went lower to the sea, then lower to the depths, and even lower to Gehenna. Yet, he did not find it. Finally, God told him, go to the son of Amram, the humblest of all men, and there shall you find the Torah. It goes to the most humble. It's like water. It says Torah is like water. You can fill up a barrel with rocks and pebbles and everything, put in the water, and the water will go through everything all the way down to the bottom. It'll go to the lowest level through all of the nonsense, so to speak, all of those barriers. That's the power of Torah. The power of Torah is that we go through, it goes to the lowest level. The more humble a person is, the more of a of a vessel they become to receive the Torah. Maharshan notes that Satan was instructed to go to the son of Amram, yet he went to Moses. The subtext is as follows. Amram was one of only a handful of people who never sinned in their lives. Thus, the angel of death, Satan, held no power over him. Amram died only because death was decreed upon all humankind from the time of Adam's sin. God told Satan, 
that the Torah was given to the son of the man against whom he was powerless. Satan paid no heed to this and approached Moses as if he had no connection with Amram. Uh, also, when it says that uh, what Moshe was saying, what am I, the Satan, in effect, asked Moses, where is the hidden light of the Torah? You are clearly incapable of containing it since you are a mere mortal born to a woman. Moses responds as if he concedes the point. All he knows is the external aspect of the Torah. Its essence is certainly beyond him. Commentaries continue here and, and share the following. It was only because you extended a bit of the radiance of your presence upon me that I was able to receive the Torah's essence. Even though Moses was apparently disingenuous in claiming to Satan that he did not know the inner Torah, this does not reflect upon his integrity. Another teaching from Rabbi Shorban When Moshe ascended to the heavenly heights to receive the tablets, he found the Holy One, he found the Almighty fastening crowns to the letters of the Torah. Moshe said nothing. Amar Lo, Hashem said to him, Moshe, ain shalom bi'ircha, Moshe, are there no greetings in your town? Why did you not greet me when you arrived here up in the heavens? Amr Lafanov, Klum Yesh Evich Nosen Cholm Marabo, is there any servant who greets his master? Proper reverence demands that I not greet you first. Amr Lo, Hashem said to him, you should have at least offered me support and assistance. You should have said, May your labors be successful. Miyad Amrlo. Immediately, Moshe said to Hashem, And now, may the strength of my Lord be magnified as you have spoken. So we see an incredible interaction between Moshe and Hashem. And it's something that's actually been, been we mentioned this yesterday in our Parsha Review podcast. The power to talk to Hashem. The power to negotiate with Hashem. The ability that each and every one of us have to talk to Hashem and to negotiate with Hashem. I want to share with you a, a personal story that my wife and I, I don't consider myself, by the way, to be on that level, but at least I aspire to. And when my wife and I found out that we were pregnant with our first child. So we immediately got into a cab and we got a ride to the Kotel, to the Western Wall. We were living in Jerusalem at the time to pray, to pray for a healthy child, for a healthy pregnancy. And when I got to the Western Wall, obviously it's very emotional. It's a very special time. It's a tremendous gift that the Almighty has given us. And I said to Hashem, I said, I know that you're going to do whatever you want, but can I just put in a little request? I really, really, really want to fulfill a mitzvah, a special mitzvah that I can only do once in my life. And that is to do the redeeming of the firstborn. Please, Hashem, grant me the opportunity to do this mitzvah. Give me a baby boy, a healthy baby boy. 
so that I can fulfill his mitzvah. And throughout the entire pregnancy, I was completely confident that Hashem was going to give me, give us, a baby boy so that we can fulfill this special mitzvah that can only be done once with the firstborn boy. And baby was born, and indeed it was a boy. And I went back to the Western Wall and I thanked Hashem. And immediately, as soon as I found out that we were pregnant with our second child, I went back to the Western Wall and I asked Hashem, I said, Hashem, I just want you to know that you fulfilled my request last time. It could be you were planning to give me a girl, but you heard my prayer and you gave me a boy. I'm asking, please, give me whatever you want. As long as it's a healthy child, you can give me that girl now. And we were blessed with a beautiful daughter. And I felt not maybe 100% Hashem listened to my request. The Talmud tells us that till 40 days, the gender of the child is not confirmed. And you can pray for the gender to be a specific one by your request. And Hashem listened. And we see this week's parsha. we see Avram, Abraham, is negotiating with God. God, if there are 50 righteous, 40 righteous, 30, 20, 10, what are you negotiating with God? Yes. Yes, we have the ability to ask God. We have the obligation to ask God and negotiate. Talk to God. Be in a conversation. Be in a conversation with the Almighty. That's what he wants. It's all about the relationship. Moshe is up in the heavens. He's having a relationship with God. He's talking. God says, refers to us as pe el pe adaber elem. Mouth to mouth, we talk directly, direct communication. No intermediaries. We don't have any conduits through which we pray. Talk directly to God. And I think it's, for me, the most important lesson to take out of this piece of Talmud, that Moshe talks directly with God. And it's a lesson for each and every one of us. Talk directly to God. There's nothing which is too trivial. There's nothing which is too unimportant. There's nothing which is, oh, God doesn't want to hear about that. God doesn't care about my little issues. Yes, he does. He's your creator. If your parent would be interested, which I'm sure they would, God, even more so, who created us and brought us into this world and gives us every single day sustenance and give us every, gives us every single day all the amazing things that we need. Why? Because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to communicate with him. The Talmud now continues. The final teaching of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi regarding the giving of the Torah of Amr Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said, My d'chsev, what is the meaning of that which is written, Vayar ha'om kiboshesh Moshe. The people saw that Moses had delayed in descending the mountain. Don't read it as boshesh delayed, but rather read it instead, six have passed. What does that mean? 
When Moses ascended to the heavenly heights, he said to the Jewish people, At the end of 40 days, at the beginning of the sixth hour of the day, I will come back. Moshe meant that he would return on the 17th of Tammuz. The people, however, misconstrued his words and thought he would return on the 16th. At the end of 40 days, according to the people's count of a total of the 16th of Tammuz, Satan came and threw the world into confusion. Amar Laham, Satan said to them, Moshe Rabchem Hechanu, Moses, your teacher, where, where did he go? Where is he? I thought he said he's going to be back after 40 days. Look, it's 40 days. Amrulo, they said to him, Allah he ascended to the heavenly heights. Amr Lahem Boshesh. Satan said to them, Six hours have passed already. He said he would return by now. Yet, he's not here. There's no sign of him. However, the people paid no attention to him. Mace, Satan said, Moshe died. He died. And the people didn't pay attention to him. Satan showed them the image of Moses being carried in the heavens as a deceased person. This sight affected them. And that is why they said to Aaron subsequently, They pointed and they said, This is Moshe. Look at him. He's being carried in the heavens as a deceased person. He had passed away and therefore he's not coming back. And in that case, we need a new leader. And in that case, if we need a new leader and we don't have Moshe, we need to have a physical entity to to, to impress upon us the relationship with Hashem. Big problem here. This caused a gr- caused great idolatry. We'll see what the, the what the commentaries explain here. So Rashi gives an amazing explanation here. He says Moses should have prayed that God assist his people to overcome their desires and observe the Torah. Any assistance rendered to the Jewish people is assistance rendered to God, as it says in the Midrash. The salvation of the Jewish people is the salvation of the omnipresent. Alternatively, Ben Yehoyada explains that God himself did not in any way need Moshe's blessings. Rather, God wished to teach the protocol appropriate among human beings. It's a very fundamental principle. God doesn't need our prayers. He doesn't need it. There's nothing that you can do for God. Do you know that? There's literally nothing. You can't buy him an ice cream cone. You can't get him a birthday cake. You can't uh, give him a tissue to sneeze. There's nothing you can do for the Almighty. So what's our whole relationship? There's nothing that God needs, but there's something that God wants. And that's a relationship. God desires, God craves a relationship with each and every one of us. He loves, he loves when we communicate. He loves when we feel a closeness with him. He loves when we emulate his ways. God says, I'm going to teach you now something which is going to be a proper conduct so that you can emulate my ways in the world.
Shem doesn't need our prayers. He loves our prayers. He wants our prayers. He waits for our prayers. It says, it says in a different area in halacha, it says about one who prays in a synagogue should have a set place to pray. Why? Because God waits for you. God waits for you. It says even if one prays in their home, doesn't go to synagogue, you pray in your home, you should have a set place where you pray. Why? God waits. He's waiting for you. Oh, I'm waiting. When is Jay going to come and pray pray again? I want to talk. I want to communicate. No, that's exactly it. The people felt they needed to have a physical leader. And if Moshe wasn't there, they were swayed into the thought of having an idol. idol. It was a void. A void of leadership. And they got punished severely for that. The people of that generation all died in the desert. They didn't merit to enter into the land of Israel. So here's the obvious question. How did they miscount? How did the Jewish people miscount the 40 days? I mean, just count. It's not so difficult. They thought that the day he ascended should be counted as the first day. He meant that he will be away for 40 whole days, 40 nighttime, daytime periods. The day he ascended was not accompanied by the previous night and therefore did not count. Moses ascended on the seventh day of Sivan. As we said, that day did not count. Sivan has 30 days, so there were 23 days remaining in that month, and on the 17th of Tammuz, the 40 days ended. 23 plus 17 equals 40. However, according to the people's count, they ended on the day before, on the 16th of Tammuz. One might have thought that the people were in error only regarding the six hours. That is, because the sun was covered by clouds, they mistakenly thought that noon had already passed, whereas in actual fact, it had not. However, this could not have been the point of error because the Torah indicates that Moses arrived the next day. So we see that it was was an innocent error. They miscalculated. They miscounted. Instead of it being 40 full days, they did 39 and a half days because Moses left midday. It didn't have the previous night with it. And therefore, they miscalculated. Here, Satan was acting in this capacity as the evil inclination attempting to incite the Jewish people to sin. Afterward, he would ascend to heaven and prosecute them for heeding him. He caused the people to perceive a picture of gloom, darkness, murk, and a cloudy, fog-like chaos. His intent was to deceive them into believing Moses had died. Satan did not assume the form of a person and carry on a conversation with the Jews. Rather, he planted doubt and worry in their minds regarding Moses' welfare until they succumbed and panicked. So, doubt, confusion. Doubt and confusion is the power of the Satan. Doubt and confusion is the power. In fact, we know, we see the same exact idea with regard to Amalek. What did Amalek do? Why are they the nation that the Jewish people have to kill them out till the last, from the, from the babies to the adults, everybody? Why? 
They sowed doubt, confusion. I don't know. What should we do? That is not a good place to be. It's not a good thing for a person to always be concerned about what ifs. The Gemara expounds the word ze, this. We said, ki ze Moshe ha'ish. When Hashem says, this man, Moshe, what is it referring to? Which would properly refer to something in front of them, right? When they saw the image of Moshe and they said, here, this is Moshe, this. To which they could point. This something was an image of the dead Moshe. How is it possible that a nation that stood just before at the pinnacle of piety at Mount Sinai should so quickly plunge towards the vulgarity of idols, of idol worship, of the golden calf? Furthermore, the Gemara says below in 105b, Tractate Shabbat, that the method of the evil inclination is to tell someone to do small sin today, another small sin tomorrow, and so on until he can tell him to worship idols. Yet, in regard to the august assembly at Mount Sinai, the evil inclination managed to bring them to this point in one fell swoop. Our sages tell us, from the time the Jewish people left Egypt, Moses went before them, led them, and guided their every action. Suddenly, Satan shows them that Moses is dead. Alarm confronts them and chaos surrounds them. Broken and crushed over the death of their leader, they lose their moral equilibrium. When a person is confused and feels bereft of options, Satan can achieve far more than under normal circumstances. There is no need for a step-by-step approach at that point. Satan can knock him from the high roof to a deep pit with one blow. And that is the danger of confusion. A person has to be firm of mind. A person has to have clarity. A person has to be, has to resolve and, and have conviction. And now the Talmud continues. The Gemara records a discussion concerning Mount Sinai. Amar lei ha'humi rabbanu l'arv kahana, one of the rabbis, asked Rav kahana, mi shmi alach mai har Sinai, have you ever heard what the meaning of the name Mount Sinai is? Rav kahana replied, Amar lei har shenasubon nisim l'Yisrael. Why is it called har Sinai? Because it's the mountain where miracles, nisim, were performed for the Jewish people. The rabbi objects, Har Nisai mi boy. Then in that case, it shouldn't be Har Sinai, it should be Nisai. It should be pronounced differently. So Rav Kahana attempts another answer. Elo Har Shanasa Simantov Yisrael. Rather, Mount Sinai means the mountain that became a good omen, a good simon, like Simantov. A mazel tov, a good omen for the Jewish people. The rabbi objects again. The rabbi objects again. Har saminoi mi Then it should have been pronounced har saminoi. Well, that's not the case. The rabbi continues, Rav Kahana continues, and he said, my time why did you not frequent Rav Papa and Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yoshua, who delve into Agada? If you had, you would know the answer to this question. 
For Rav Chizda and Rabba, the son of Rav Huna, both said, My Har Sinai. What is the meaning of Mount Sinai? Har Shiyarda Sinal It means the mountain upon which God's hatred or Sinna to idolaters descended. And this is consistent with that which what Rav Yossi the son of Rav Hanina said, Chamisha Shemos Yeshlo. There are five names to Mount Sinai. Number one, Midbar Tzin. Shenitztavu Yisrael Olav. Tzin is similar to the word commanded. It is so called because the Jewish people were commanded upon it to observe the Torah. Nitztavu. Midbar Kadesh. Kadesh Desert. Sheniskatshu Yisrael Olav. Because the Jews were sanctified. Niskatshu upon it. Midbar Kdemos, Kdemos Desert, Shenisna Kduma Olav, because the primordial Torah Kduma was given upon it. Midbar Paran, the fourth name is the Paran Desert, Sheparu Varavu Aleho Yisrael, because the Jewish people were fruitful, Paru, and multiplied next to it. And then the last name, Midbar Sinai, the Sinai Desert, Shiyarda Sinula of Dekochavim Olav. Because hatred, sinna, to idolaters descended upon it. Umashmo. And what is its actual name? Choref Shmo. The actual name of the mountain was Mount Choref. The Gemara notes a differing view. Opliga de Rabavo. And this disputes the statement of Rabavo. The Amma Rabiavo, Rabavo said, Har Sinai Shmo. Its name was really Har Sinai. Why, why do we call it Har Chorev, Mount Chorev? Because ruin, Churva, to idolaters transpired upon it. So our sages also tell us that Yorda Sinala Olam, the hatred also descended on Mount Sinai. Sina from the term Sinai, the hatred of the nations to the Jewish people descended at that time. Antisemitism is not a modern-day problem. Antisemitism is part and parcel with the Torah. The Torah was received by the Jewish people. Immediately, hatred was received by the nations of the world. And let me give you an example. You know, I was asked to join a consortium to buy lottery tickets for the $2 billion lottery ticket that was picked this week. And imagine someone offers you a lottery ticket. It's your birthday. Someone comes over to you and says, hey, Dr. Rosenstock, here's a lottery ticket. Here. You say, you know what? Thank you very much, Rabbi. I really appreciate it. But I have a day job. I make a good living. I don't need your favors. I don't need your gifts. Thank you so much. I appreciate the gesture. But here, give it to Jay. It's Jay's birthday coming up too. Okay. We give it to Jay, and Jay's like, I appreciate it, doctor. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Rabbi. I'm going to pass it on to the next guy because I appreciate the gesture. It's not necessary. And you pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. Finally, it ends up in Jennifer's hand. And Jennifer gets this lottery ticket. She says, it's fine. I'm not going to pass it around the entire room. It's going to go back around to everyone. I'll, I'll just keep that ticket. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you for the gesture. I'm not going to win anyway. The likelihood is one in 33 billion. It's not going to happen. 
Okay. And she wins the $2 billion lottery ticket. What happens? Everyone's going to say, oh, you know, you really you should give it to me because it was my birthday and Rabbi really gave it to me. And the next one's going to say, you know, we should split it. You know, this is not fear. We was just, it was just a kind gesture, but we didn't really mean it. And we, this is not what we meant. And this is not uh, how it should be. We should split it. We should make it even. You take the majority, give us some. It's not, everyone's going to have a different idea of what justice is. Very few are going to be, you know what? It's yours. Enjoy it. Enjoy all the $2 billion. And just enjoy it. Is anyone going to say that? Not likely. Right, Dr. Rosenstock? Everyone's going to say, this is, it was really mine. I didn't really mean to give it to you. I gave it to you with a, with a half, half a heart. This is not what I meant to do. That's what happened with even more is what happened to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. Hashem sent out the memo to all of the angels and he says to them, guess what? The Torah could be yours. Do you want the manual? And everyone's like, what does it say? It says, thou shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Oh, not for us, say the French. Thou shall not murder. No, 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 thank you, say the Germans. Uh, thou shall not be jealous. No, not for us. Each nation says, well, no, that's not for us. Thank you so much. I, I don't need it. Do Jewish people? <laughs> the joke goes that they asked, how much does it cost? They said, God said it's free. They're like, we'll take two. The Jewish people say, nah, seven Ishma, we'll do and we'll listen. They accept the Torah lovingly. Now the nation's are like, what? We had that opportunity. We had the ticket in our hands and we gave it up. What do you think they're going to do with the Jewish people? You think they're going to love us? Of course they're going to hate us. Of course they're going to hate us. There's no question. Hatred came down with the Torah. It came down with it. It's part and parcel. Uh, Let me just preface your question. There is nothing you can ever do that will remove that hatred being in the hearts of the nations of the world. That doesn't mean that we're always hated. But the capability of that hatred will always be there. The reason is because God uses anti-Semitism as a tool to get us back on track. When the Jewish people go astray, the nations of the world give us a slap upside our head and say, get back in line. And we say, oh, they're just hating on us. They're not just hating on us. They have no power if the Almighty doesn't give them that power. They have no ability to inflict any pain on us if God doesn't allow us to be afflicted with pain. And therefore, we need to take it as a lesson, each and every one of us, if we see a case of anti-Semitism, it's the Almighty talking to us, speaking to us, and saying, hey, you've gone off track. I'm sending my people out there to get you back on track. Yes, now your question. Well, Moshe, you mean you mean the perceived passing of Moshe. Moshe didn't die at that time. Moshe was, they, they were shown an image by the Satan of Moshe's so-called funeral in heaven. He went up to heaven and he died there. Why? Because it was it was past his time that, the, according to the Jewish people's calculation, he should have been back already. But they miscalculated. All right, my dear friends, thank you so much. Let's continue to study Torah, learn Torah. 
please share this podcast with your friends. The Thinking Talmudist podcast is available. All the podcast platforms, we welcome all of your questions, any questions, any comments, any feedback. Just email me, please, at awolbe at torchweb.org, A-W-O-L-B-E at T-O-R-C-H-W-E-B dot O-R-G. Have a magnificent Shabbos, my dear friends. 